Welcome back to Squat Therapy. I'm super, super excited for my guest today. His name is Mike Bidwell. He runs by the alias of BJJ After 40 on social media. And for many of you listening, you may have no idea who he is. I understand that a great deal of my followers and a great deal of the people that listen to this podcast are CrossFitters. Well, the reason I'm so excited to have Mike on this show is because my first passion in life was wrestling, and it's morphed into jiu-jitsu. I grew up wrestling through middle school and high school and even college, and then once I graduated college, got involved in jiu-jitsu. I'm a purple belt, trained under Henzo Gracie when I first started. I'm now in Florida, training under Fight Sports, Marcel Goncalves, and I'm super excited about it, and it's, it's truly my passion. I love CrossFit. I love jiu-jitsu, but I need them both in my life. And it's awesome how through the power of social media and through the power of just, I don't know, reaching out to people, I've been able to connect with Mike Bidwell. I was following him on Instagram. Like I said, BJJ After 40. Me and my good buddy, Brian, Brian Conkle, big shout out here. I hope he's listening that train together, we would follow his stuff because it's this dude is like a ninja. He posts this crazy, freakish stuff, and then we would go and try to replicate it. And we just kind of became friendly the way you do on Instagram, liking his stuff, commenting here and there. And I reached out to him, and I said, hey, I'd love to have you on the podcast. You have an amazing story, and he's going to tell you all about it, his journey you know, from white belt to black belt. This guy spent 13 years as a brown belt, and... For those of you that aren't involved in the martial arts world, you know what's unique about jiu-jitsu is it's not a promotion every three months. It's not a just come to class and you're going to get promoted. you got to pay your dues. you got to be working hard. And you're only going to get promoted when your professor, your instructor, your coach deems you ready. And to spend 13 years at any belt, be it white, blue, purple, or brown, it just shows such tremendous discipline and determination, and that's what I'm so impressed by. I mean, obviously, his moves that he puts up on, on social media, like I said, whether you're a jiu-jitsu practitioner or not, you, you can't help but be impressed by what he does, and I continue to try to tap my homeboy Brian all the time with the triangle, so go and find that on his Instagram, BJJ After 40, but just an interesting story. He's a an amazing person full of positivity and love and I'm super excited to have him on this podcast today. So without further ado, Mike Bidwell aka BJJ After 40 on today's episode of Squat Therapy. It's time for some squat therapy. You're a host, Jason Ackerman, P-I-M-P. Baby Jesus, break it down with the interesting mind. CrossFit's OG, he's one of a kind. Coaching, training, and mobility. Each episode, a quest of virtuosity. Relevant CrossFit topics and stellar guests. He'll leave you wondering what he's going to say next on squat therapy. All right, we're back on the podcast, and I have a super special guest. I'm trying to blur some worlds and introduce those of you that maybe aren't super familiar with BJJ or the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu lifestyle. I have on Mike Bidwell, also known as BJJ Over 40. Welcome to the podcast. 
Hey, how are you? It's BJJ After 40. Just, oh. just a little uh, correction there, but yes. BJJ welcome. After 40. Well, yeah. and, and funny enough, that's kind of what, it, what turned me on to you. My buddy, yeah. my buddy that I train with down here in Florida, Brian, uh, we've become big fans because, well, A, your technique and some of your theory and lessons are just top-notch and amazing. But, Thank you. Thank but, you. Thank you. But I'm thir- I'll be 38, so I'm like, man, I got to start watching this dude because <laughs> I need to figure out how I'm going to keep going after 40. Yeah. So whenever I catch Brian in something, which is very rare, I can probably <laughs> point out the two times I've ever done it, I'm always like, BJJ after 37, got you. And then uh, he's because he's only 30 right now. Sure, yeah. So I love your style. I mean, for those of you that don't know much about Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you're like a ninja out there. You just, <laughs> you, you know, you, you move around just so gracefully. You have such dexterity. What's, what's your background prior to jiu-jitsu? Well, I've actually been doing martial arts for actually about 35 years now. I started doing martial arts, you know, growing up um, upstate New York. And so I started like most people back then, you know, doing Taekwondo and karate, Kempo karate. And I started out and I got my black belts in those styles, you know, as a a young martial artist. And um, I've always just, I've always felt like I've had a calling towards the martial arts. And I remember even as a kid growing up, even before I was doing martial arts, I was I was I was seeking it on some level because I, w- I would go to the library and get martial arts books out, and um, I would come home and like practice moves in my room, and I was just so into it even before I was really actually into it. So I've always been kind of on that path. And and, and we realize that about each other. You're you live in Syracuse now, correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm you know originally from Westchester, lived in Albany most of my adult life, and. Where were you living when you were getting involved in those martial arts? Syracuse, man. Um, I grew up actually up in Watertown up until I was about 11 or 12 years old, and then we moved to Syracuse. And, um, and when I moved to Syracuse at about 12, 13 years old, that's when I sought martial arts. It's actually kind of a cool story. I had wanted to do it for a couple years, and um, my parents just couldn't afford it. And so I, was, I would mow people's lawns and do all these little odd jobs and stuff like that to get money. So when I was about, I guess about 13 years old, this, this older woman in my neighborhood and her, her husband were heading out of town for a few days. So they gave me a hundred bucks to mow their lawn like every day. And like when you're 12 years old or 13 years old, that's like being a millionaire. So I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm a millionaire now. So I took my hundred bucks. I got on my bike. I rode my bike to this karate school and I walked in and I was like, I want to sign up for karate. And uh, that's how I got started. What was... What was the motivating factor? I mean, I, I could imagine it had something to do with the Karate Kid because we're about the same age. Yeah, yeah. Was it? It was. It was all that. It was before that for me, though. It was uh, Kung Fu, the TV series. Uh, so you're like, man, I was digging on that show back then. I would. It was funny because I used to set my alarm when I was a kid for like 5 a.m. It was only on Saturday mornings at 5 a.m. It was like something crazy like that, and I would set my alarm for like 5 a.m. I'd wake up and I'd turn my little black and white TV on and I would watch Kung Fu every morning on Saturdays. And it was, dude, it was dope, man. And I think that was, uh, you know, kind of the impetus for me. And, and, and for those of you that don't know much about Watertown, there really isn't much to do other than karate. There's nothing. <laughs> so, <laughs> Listen, back then it was like when we moved to Syracuse, it was like, man, we're moving to the big city now. Yeah. Because there was like nothing going on in Watertown, especially back then. I mean, there isn't now either, but back then it really wasn't. 
So that did that journey just run straight through for the next 30 years or, or what was the, the path, you know? And you I know, wanna, I think, go ahead. Well, I want to hear your opinion on this because yeah. th- this day and age, all of those other martial arts, you know, like the, I don't know what you would refer to them as, but your Taekwondo's, your Karate's, your Aikido, at this point they have a bad reputation because people are realizing, you know, they, they might not be the most effective forms of martial arts out there and you know because of the mainstream UFC and MMA they're realizing hey jiu-jitsu and wrestling and Muay Thai and things like that are really what you need to to defend yourself and, and probably are more realistic you know we've all seen those goofy memes about Steven Seagal sure. flipping people so <laughs> so what's your opinion now I mean I, I, I assume you're still glad that you did that and what would you recommend for, for kids these yeah. days that, that were looking to get started and for the parents looking to get them involved in martial arts? Those are great questions. Those are great questions, and I'd be happy to answer them. The, um, I feel like what, what, what separates jiu-jitsu from pretty much just almost everything else is that it's testable. Like you can do jiu-jitsu almost to the point of like 100% and still walk away safely and do it, right? And that does a lot of things for us. That checks that ego, right? So there's nothing like jujitsu where, like, dude, you know, you go on the mats, you get hammered on sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. And you kind of drag yourself off the mat. And yes, it was tough, and it was it was this crazy obstacle, but you feel so good about yourself afterwards, right? And it starts something starts to happen with that ego the longer that you do it. And I feel like that is, um, for me, has been the most powerful part of my martial arts journey is that dissolving of my ego. And of course, it's still a practice now. But it's not the the work that it used to be, and for me, that's been you know a part a powerful part of my journey. Um, and for me, as like you know, I've been doing martial arts for for thirty five years now, and, and my journey has been martial arts that entire time. But I've also had you know my ups and downs in the martial arts too. Like you spoke, you know, I spent thirteen years as a brown belt in jujitsu, and you know anybody who does martial arts, you know, or does jujitsu, really kind of knows what that means, you know. In jiu-jitsu, it takes us, you know, 10 to 15 years to get a black belt or sometimes quicker and sometimes longer like me. Uh, my friend Nick Rigoriadis got his black belt in four years and I got my black belt in 18 years. Um, but for me, that, that middle point, that brown belt was where I kind of got stuck for a while. Um, and it was a lot of things. Um, yeah, tell, was, me, tell me about that. That's a, a huge fascination I have and, you know, I know it sounds like we're joking, but Brian and I talk about you quite a bit. I'm sure he's going to be listening. I told him I'd give him a shout-out on this podcast. So, Brian, I'm going to catch you later in the cry angle, which I want to talk about as well. Oh, um, snap. That, that was my move for about four months. I didn't attempt anything other than a cry angle, and we'll explain what that is. But, yeah. you know what? I mean, 13 years as a brown belt, and for those of you that don't understand jiu-jitsu, it's not like – you know, Taekwondo, where every three months you're going to get a promotion or, or you know, you, you have this defined timeline. I spent a year as a white belt personally and then about five as a blue belt, and now I've had my purple belt for about three years. So, yeah. so it's really up to your instructor. You know, if you change schools or if you move like I did, that influences things. But, but 13 years, I mean, you probably saw white belts come in and get their black belt in the time you were a brown belt. I had students come in that were my white belts, right, that trained with me, go on to get their black belt before I got my black belt. So, 
I mean, the only thing I'm imagining either one of two situations. You took some crazy amounts of time off, so it wasn't a true 13 years, or your your instructor is just trying to give you a (laughs) lifelong lesson. It was actually a couple things, and here's what's interesting: is not only was I still active and training during that time, I was working as a martial artist at that time as well. So I was in schools, martial arts, a martial arts school every day. So that's that, and that was the sobering part about it for me. And it wasn't a situation of like you know a, an evil means instructor that didn't want to promote me. You know, some of it was that I moved a couple times, and you know how that is. It's like, it's like dating someone all over again. Right. You, know, you got to build that relationship. But um, but it was so much more than that. So for me, really, what it was was allowing myself physically, mentally, spiritually getting myself down to the lowest vibration and kind of staying out, staying there and hanging there. And, um, you know, the way that I thought, the, the food that I consumed, the the actions that I was taking in my life or the lack of action that I was taking in my life kept me just at a really low vibration. And what that meant physically for me was I was like, I hit a, I hit a point um, a few years ago where I was like 50 pounds heavier than I've ever been in my life. And I'm a guy who's like six one in my in my in my good normal shape of like being twenty one years old, I was always like six one, one fifty, one fifty five, like tall and thin. That's just kind of how I've been built. And I got to the point where I was like I hit, I remember I hit the top at like one ninety nine and I was like, Man, I've never been over two hundred pounds. And I t- there was a point where my daughter took a picture of my wife and I one day and I just was like, Holy crap, man, I'm getting fat. <laughs> and I had kind of a, you know, I wasn't like huge, but I had a big stomach and I, and I always was the guy that had abs. I could eat whatever I wanted and I would just have abs and it was just, everything was cool. You know what I mean? I was just good And, um, but I'd reached that, that point where in my jujitsu career where I was teaching, you know, up here in New York and I was 199 pounds. I was starting to get high blood pressure. My diet was terrible. I was having, I have this, uh, irritable bowel syndrome, IBS. And it's like a, it's like a stomach thing where I have a, a severe sensitivity to certain combinations of foods. And, and it would affect me on the level of where I would eat something and it would be almost like a migraine with my body. Like I, my face would hurt. It was terrible. I'd have to go into a dark room and just try to sleep it off. And then I couldn't train for like three or four days because my stomach would hurt so bad. And I was just reached this point where everything was kind of coming together in my life where I needed to make a choice. And the choice was either keep doing jujitsu, keep training, figure this out, get your black belt, get to that next level, or don't, or quit, or give up, or move on and figure something else out as a career. Because I had reached that point where training sucked, man. Like I would roll and I'd be like crawling to the water fountain with a blue face, you know, because I was running, I was just moving at such a low vibration physically and mentally that it was impacting every part of my training and my life and everything that was happening. And my wife and I sat down one day and we had this conversation that either, we had that conversation that either I'm going to continue or I'm going to quit. And for me, it was the answer was within my BJJ community. I went to my community. I went to some close friends that were black belts and I asked them, you know, dude, what do I need to do? And the answer was kind of sober and it was really clear. It was, you know, get your ass in shape. Like you need to get in shape because you're not in shape. And that's, you know, you need to get physically and mentally in shape. And for me it was, okay, so now what? So what do I do? need to do that? And for me it was just to create a little bit of momentum. I needed a little bit of momentum. And how did that start? What was that momentum? Just from you talking or did it, did it come from something else once you 
once you grasp that idea and yeah yeah so here's what happened um 2012 i decided my daughter came to me actually said she wanted to do her first jiu-jitsu tournament ironically in albany it was one of the the first little naga tournaments that they i was there there. was that at, at siena college uh, I think it was, yes. I've won my division yeah. of that. That was one of the last tournaments I did. That's crazy. Oh, so, so okay, so yes, that tournament. My daughter was going to compete, and I always told my daughter that if you ever wanted to compete, I'll do a tournament with you. Not really thinking that she was ever, I don't know if that was going to happen or not, but, you know, the intention was there. Um, so I, I, I took on this challenge, that, okay, I'm going to compete in a jiu-jitsu tournament. I hadn't competed since 2001. Like, I hadn't competed in, like, 10 or 11 years. So, and I was way out of shape. So what that did for me is I needed to lose like 20 pounds. It was like 25 pounds to get to 175 so I could make weight for that weight class. Right. So that was the momentum for me. That was that, that little bit of a push that I needed. And, you know, the way that I like to think about it now is and I tell my students this all the time that sometimes you need to get a little momentum to get a lot of momentum. If you took a car, um, this is a great little metaphor that I heard once, is if you took a car and you put it at the top of a hill and you put it in neutral, and you give it just a little bit of a push, and if someone was standing in front of it five feet away, that little bit of momentum isn't going to do much to that person. But if they stood at the, the bottom of that hill and you gave it that same push, what would happen? It'd run them right over because that little tiny bit of momentum created a ton of momentum. And sometimes you just need that little bit of a push, and you got to be okay with just allowing that push to happen. For me, it was my friends telling me you know, to get in shape, and then – that push of setting that goal to compete and do well. And, dude, that's awesome that you were there competing too because that was I went and competed in that tournament, and I got first place. And that was the momentum that I needed to keep moving forward. Um, and then so after that, I really changed my diet dramatically. So I, it, was easy, it wasn't terribly difficult to get that first 25 pounds off. Like it was a challenge. I had to change my diet pretty dramatically, but it was when I wanted to get to the next 25 pounds that I really needed to change my lifestyle a lot. Yeah, I mean you're a, a very lean looking dude. So clearly you've you've made those changes and not just made those changes, but we're talking four years later continuing with that. At what point did you get your black belt and what was that I mean, I I hate when people say, like, what was I feeling like? Of course it was freaking awesome, but you know, what <laughs> what really were you thinking and, and did you get out there and, and celebrate? What was it like when you finally got it? Was it a surprise? Um, it was, it was awesome, dude. It was like, it was coming full circle for me. It was like the, it was like reaching that point in my journey where I finally feel like I got there. Um, for me, what, what ended up happening. So I did that, that tournament. And then I went on this spree of like, just like hitting like every tournament that I could. I went to like every Naga up in New York and Pennsylvania and just everywhere I could for about two years. Like I just kept competing nonstop. Um, and that was nice because that really kept me in shape. It kept me focused. It helped me get down to where I am now, which I walk around like 150, 155. And I don't, you know, my lifestyle's changed so much now that it's not even an effort to be there because that's just where I reside now. That's where my lifestyle has taken me. I love how, um, I love how there's like a lingo amongst jujitsu and MMA. It's like I walk around at, you know, that's a, yeah. that's a phrase that you only hear in our community, but people, you know, might not understand that, you know, so you you walk around at 155, but that doesn't necessarily mean you compete at 155. But it sounds like for you, that's you know, and as you get to be a black belt, you have a little less options as far as weight right. classes. 
Yeah, so when I so I went on competing, and, that, and that's where I competed at. I got myself down to that about one fifty five, and that's where I kind of stayed because that felt like a, a good normal weight for me. It feels like I, you know, like my default setting. I feel like I'm I'm twenty one years old now. I mean, I really do. I mean, my body just feels amazing right now. Um, so getting that black belt, so I went on this spree of competing, and then came finally full circle um, when I got my black belt in January of two thousand thirteen, and. Um, from my best friend, Ken Cronenberg, who I started jujitsu with in 1996. We started on the same exact day, um, have been best friends for, you know, 25 years. And it was really fun to, you know, come back to New York a few years ago and start working with Ken and then to receive my black belt from my friend. It was, you know, it was the most profound experience, you know, other than my children, having my children and marry my wife, and one of the most profound experiences of my life. To get to that point, to reach a point where of desperation, right, and then overcome that, and then get to the point now where you know I can give back to my jujitsu community, and that's where you know I am now. You know, I have so much gratitude for jujitsu and what jujitsu has done for me, for my family, for me, for my body, for my mind, for my spirit. That now it's just for me. It's about you know how may I serve? How may I serve? I, I love it, and you know that's that's apparent in the in the brief communication we've had and what I've gotten yeah. to see. So you you must now be also a – you must have a stripe on that black belt at this point. Not yet. Um, I, think I, I think I'm coming up on a stripe next year. I'm not sure actually. Yeah, it's like – because that's like one of the few things in jiu-jitsu that's pretty defined, right? Like when you get your stripes yeah. on your black belt. So you 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 teach jiu-jitsu. You, 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 you have your – is it your academy or do you teach at someone else's right now? I, I teach with Ken. I teach at Ken's school. And I basically I run I run the day to day operations for him. And what's the name of his school? It's Tai Kai Martial Arts. Okay, Tai Kai Martial Arts. So if you're in Syracuse, and do you, do you travel to do seminars? We'd love to get you down to Florida. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I would love to come down. That would be so dope. All right, I'm gonna talk to my my <laughs> instructor down here, Marcel Goncalves. He's a great guy. He trains under Cyborg and fight sports and. You know, oh, cool. it's it's really cool. I moved down to Florida a little over a year ago, and I had to leave. You know, jujitsu becomes your family. You know, they're for it's a little different than other martial arts and other activities you do. In the fact that you really have to trust these people, and you're rolling. There's, yeah. the, the cool thing about jujitsu, I mean, you can you can go like you know, we would say, hey, we're just gonna go light, we're gonna roll technique, whatever, and then it's really, basically becomes who who stops rolling light first, but. You know, it's not like other martial arts where you can kind of go easy and not really punch. I mean, you're going at it. If even if you're rolling technique, you might still be trying to choke someone or catch them, catch their arm or leg or whatnot. So you have to trust these people, and you know, you you bleed, you sweat, you you cry with them, and it's it's important to find the right community, and the right home. Yeah, and and that's and that's where I think I think that's the draw for people too. You said that word, that home community, right? That's powerful, right? Those are powerful words. And I feel like that's what jujitsu does for people. It brings people together. And it brings people together in the deepest way because think about what you're saying. We're doing this thing where we literally have this power in our hands where you could severely hurt somebody or possibly even kill somebody. So there's this implicit sense of trust. There's this, this mutual respect that happens. And that's powerful. So it's really, you know, it's, it's, an, it's, a, it's a, uh, an amazing thing because you're getting so connected to the people that you train with and we don't have that in our peripheral life as much as we used to you know it's like if you look at somebody in public they quickly look away from you 
right? It's hard for people to connect to each other. Um, and, and, and a lot of that, you know, it's, it's just the world that we live in now. But jujitsu brings us back and creates a community. And I think that's really, really powerful for people. And, and for me, what I would tell you, you know, everyone that's listening is probably more from the CrossFit world. And we're, we're huge on community. And some of my best yeah. friends are from that CrossFit world. But I would also say that probably the friends I've made the most, yeah, no, maybe not the most long-lasting, but some of my closest friends over the last 10 years have been the guys I trained with on the mats. You know, uh, and, and even when moving down here, I've been a part of a few communities and met a lot of CrossFitters and, and love them all. But, you know, the people, if you go through my phone, the people that are texting me that aren't, you know, my, my nutrition clients are my, are my jiu-jitsu buddies, whether it's, hey, check out this technique or you want to meet up at this time and, and you know, we let's get together for UFC 200 or whatever's yeah. going on. So you, you, you basically train... I'm envious of that. When I see your videos, I'm like, man, you're doing drills, you're doing this, and it, it's it's hard for someone like me that jujitsu, in reality, is just my hobby. It's my it's a passion of mine. But you know, if I get an hour or two a couple times a week, I'm I'm thrilled. You're spending what, twelve hours on the mat a day? It seems. Uh probably not quite that much. <laughs> but you know, it's so for me, it's about. Physically training, you know, I, I do private lessons and stuff like that. So that stuff's all very physical. And as you know, teaching is very physical as well. It, it, it just uh, you put if you put your heart and soul into it, it's it's uh, it's amazing. Um, but I don't. For me, my training is I like to physically train for myself, like about an hour and a half a day. Like that's perfect for me for where I am. And I think that's the important thing. It's not you know a lot of guys say, oh man, dude, he trains like four or five hours a day. You don't need to train four or five hours a day. At least I don't need to train four or five hours a day. I like to make that time that gonna uh, that I'm going to train my sacred time. So um, you know, uh, open mats, for example. Like I like like every night I tend to roll for about an hour, and that's like perfect for me because. Um, I need that recovery after like that recovery for me is so important. I think that's one of the keys that, you know, as you're moving towards 40 and I'm for, I'm going to be 47 next month. I'm creeping up on 50 now. Well, you got to change, feel, you got to change that handle on Instagram. Yeah. I don't, I trust me. I don't even feel like it, man. I feel so good. Um, but it's because of the recovery and I think that's the key. It's this relationship that we start to build with our body. Um, when you do jujitsu or whether you're CrossFit or whatever it is that you're doing, you take your body to this point of like major, major stress and it's, and it's amazing and it feels so good. But when you're done, I like to have this conversation with my body of how may I serve you now? Like, thank you for serving me. You know what I mean? That felt so good. That was so awesome. Let's take care of you now. I, and I think you have to put as much, you know, uh, vigor into the recovery as you do the training. I, I love that because it, I, it's you know you've, I've gone through so many trainings over the over my years of seminars and you know a handful of things stick out and one of them was one of my first yoga trainings a guy named David Swanson teaching Ashtanga yoga was saying you know people complain oh my knee hurts but how often do you give thanks to your knees for not hurting you know and, and right, really, yeah you know it's often like oh man my knee hurts this sucks and I'm so angry with my knee and it's like. Well, we'll maybe give it some positive self-talk instead, and then, and it wouldn't hurt so bad. So I, I love that mentality. And, and as you said, you know, I, I'm 37, 38. When I'm rolling with most of these guys are early 20s, and I think they forget, you know. And, and like you said, I don't feel 37. I don't know what 
I, you know, I still feel the same I did when I'm 18, but the times I do feel it is when I hop in bed at night and my body is throbbing or I wake up sore. But recovery is key, especially when you're incorporating other trainings, maybe to your jujitsu. And I think that's something that's going to keep you on the mats. I mean, is your goal to just continue with jujitsu for forever? Forever, yeah. Um, and that's the fun part because jujitsu you can do forever. You can do. You know, I have guys that come and train with us that are in their sixties and they're doing jujitsu. Um, I have women that train with me. You know, we have a huge women's program. We'll have in any given class, you know, 20, 30 women come in and training. So I believe that jujitsu, when it's taught the right way, I think anybody can do it. And I think the recovery part is really, really important. I think the safety on the mats and, you know, little things, just, you know, making sure you're not, you know, afraid to tap out and just keeping your body safe. Um, uh, you know, it's just, it's really, really, really important. You know, the recovery, I can't speak enough about recovery. You know, for me, it's, you know, when I get done training at nighttime, yeah, like I'm laying in bed or I'm sore, but I try to do all the things that I can to create the, the to create this vessel that can navigate through this. You know, if that means taking an Epsom salt bath or getting a massage or icing when I need to stretching every day, you know, I'm a huge advocate for stretching, um, all of that, everything that you can do. Right, and I mean that's something. If if you follow, you know, BJJ after forty, you you put some great techniques on there, but you also put some great and and some. What I love are the drills that you do, like by yourself or with your belt, yeah. and because those are times the days I can't get into to train, I can still improve my own jujitsu practice. Tell me about this. Tell me about where the triangle came from, because that's my favorite. <laughs> you know, and, and let me tell you this though. You have to make a triangle for five three one fifty pounders. You're six one one fifty. It's a whole different ball game wrapping your legs around someone's leg and arm than it is for my stubby legs. Yeah, that, and that's the fun part about jujitsu is that uh, jujitsu is ultimately about maximizing our personal attributes. So my attributes happen to be that I have long, tall, skinny legs. I have the skinniest legs ever, um, and I love my skinny legs. They they serve me well. So yes, and they serve me well in my triangle choke. So the triangle choke is basically like the triangle choke, and one arm in and one arm through, and you're you're choking somebody with your legs. What makes the triangle different is you get both the arm and the leg inside, and it just where did it come from? It was one of these moves. You know, I'm I'm a triangle guy because jujitsu is ultimately about maximizing your attributes. I have these long skinny legs. The triangles for me are just were a natural progression for me in my training. And it just was dawning on me one day that, and that'd be crazy if you could put the leg in there too. And then I started messing around with it and it just, it opened up a doorway for me, you know, a creative doorway. And, uh, it just became like, I became obsessed with trying to figure out how to do this crazy ass joke. And I decided to put it up on the internet. <laughs> I guess, I guess it spoke to a lot of people cause a lot of, I get people, uh, email me all the time about it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a pretty wild move. It definitely, I, you, when you do it to somebody and you make them tap, you kind of feel bad a little bit, just a little tiny bit, <laughs> because you're, you're like knee-barring their face with your own leg. I don't ever um, feel yeah. bad about it, but I also don't get it as often as you. I've, I'm not going to say who, but I've caught a, a, a person that I roll with at a much higher level, and they were like, I can't believe you just caught me with that, because they knew I'd been going for it for months. <laughs> And it was All like, right. <laughs> internally, I'm like screaming and you know how it is on the mats. You, you, you stay humble and 
was like, oh my God, I can't believe I got it. <laughs> Listen, let me, let me tell you a little secret. I, I train with my wife a little bit. She's, a, she's an awesome purple belt and she's tough as nails, man. And she's caught me in triangles. Like, not like, ha ha, I'm going to let her do that. It was more, there was one that she caught me in that I was like, I cannot just believe she caught me in that. I cannot believe this is happening right now. And then I was trying to get out and I literally, I had to tap. Where, where can people, I want to make sure if, if you're, if you're not sure what we're talking about, what's the, what's the best way to see this on a video? You have a YouTube channel as well, right? If you go to the YouTube channel, if you just go to um, youtube.com forward slash BJJ after 40, it'll be right up on there. And that, that's just one of the moves, and I think you have quite a few videos on it. But you have yeah. some other, some other ninja. I mean, you do some unorthodox moves, but in reality, they're they're almost like basic moves with a ninja flair. And you know what it is? Here's here's what it is. It's 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 me. This you know this is you know a couple of years ago when I decided to really get on that path to get my black belt. One of the things that I changed in my life about myself was. That I made a decision, a conscious decision, that I was going to flow myself. That I said one day to my, I said to my wife, I said, you know what? From here out, I'm going to flow Mike Bidwell. And that making that decision to just be myself was really, really empowering for me. And that's where the BG After Forty started. When I decided to put my first video out, it's kind of a funny story. I, one of my first moves that I put out was a ninja roll choke. And it's this crazy choke where you wrap your lapel around someone's neck and you roll upside down. And it's, it's like a noose around their neck. It's just this crazy move. And I'd already been doing the BJJ After 40 thing for about six months. But I wasn't really doing anything with it. I was just kind of posting stuff. And it really wasn't anything about me or myself. It was just me kind of stepping away from stepping out of the role and just putting stuff up on the internet. But it had nothing to do with Mike Bidwell. And um, when I put that first video out, when I filmed the first version of it, it didn't come out. Like we had all these audio problems. And leading up and up to it, I kept like scheduling with this guy to make this video, and then I kept canceling it. And it was just this. Uh, I was having trouble getting myself going. I was having trouble creating some momentum for myself to get started. And it was more. I was just like, uh, man, if I put this out, I don't know. People might think I'm nuts. This is some crazy shit. I don't know. Um, but I finally put the video out and it ended up on like a really popular site that Monday. And I was like, wow, that's so dope. And people really embraced the move and it helped me create some momentum for myself to be myself, put videos out, be creative and flow my own jujitsu. And that's, you know, people look at these moves like the crying going into roll chokes and they might first look at it and say, well, that's some pretty crazy stuff or that's cool or that's nuts or that's not jujitsu or that is jujitsu. For me, that's Mike Bidwell. That's what that is. That's Mike Bidwell. And if, if it speaks to somebody and they're inspired by it or they're whatever by it, then that's awesome. And you, and you are inspiring quite a few people. And I think actually now that when you said that, that's how we found you. Some, some, you know, there's quite a few jujitsu websites that are well known. I don't remember which one it was, but somebody tagged me or sent it to me. And then we, I was like, who is this guy? And I think the <laughs> next thing I did was... You know, it was like, hey, to see the whole video, go to your YouTube, and I started doing that. Followed you on Instagram, and it was it was really cool. And now I, you know, check out all of your videos and figure out which ones I can try to hit. And and, and I think what's cool is I've just learned, hey, you got to you got to go for these. And when I watch you, what it really inspires me to do is just like you said, just flow. Like get out of the the, the mindset of hey, jujitsu has to be this this box, and you're stuck within it. You know, I think. Like any martial art, it's like don't be afraid of the guy that has 10,000 techniques. It's the guy that has won and practiced it 10,000 times. But at the same time, it's got to be fun and you got to flow and you got to have a good time. And, and watching you inspires me to do that. 
Yeah, it's about being on purpose instead of outcome. What is your purpose, right? Being in the moment, you know, uh, the point of power is in the now, right? So when you're grappling, if you're trying to constantly have an outcome, right? I need to tap this guy out. I got to beat this guy. Or when he pulls you, you pull back and there's constant resistance versus allowing yourself to have the experience instead of the outcome. And that's where the power lies for me. Like when you can roll with somebody and it's like you're not – you ever have that role where like you're just you're grappling and you're not like really trying but everything's kind of happening and it feels good and you have these cool exchanges and you both get done. You almost don't even say anything and there's just kind of a little smile like, man, that was so dope, man. And you can never recreate that experience again. So it's this one-time roller coaster that's not going to happen again. But you can sit back and appreciate the experience. And everything in life is about the experience ultimately, right? Or want to sit back and reflect on it. That's where, you know, that's where our life is lived most of the time. I agree 100%. I want to make sure we don't end this without knowing who are your jujitsu role models and, and who are some people you look up to in the jujitsu world that we should check out if we don't know about. Well, I'm a huge fan of Nick Gregoriadis and. Uh, we just did a, a collaboration together that's going to be super dope and super awesome, and I'm really excited about it. And I had been a fan of Nick for a long time, and I'd followed his Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood site. And he's this really cool dude who's super spiritual, and he's a huge practice. Has a he's a big fan of yoga and practices yoga, and he's an amazing Jiu-Jitsu martial artist. And I was lucky enough to just have him here in Syracuse with me. He came here and stayed with me for five days. And we got to train together and pick each other's brains and video, some really dope stuff. So I've really looked up to Nick, and um, he's sort of been a mentor. Even before I met him, he was a huge mentor for me. So he's someone I really am inspired by. Love it. Give me one piece of advice, if Brian is still listening, to, to help me beat him. He, first of all, Brian's a blue belt, but he's like a brown belt. He's like one of those guys, you know, so he's – Awesome, you know he's he's so smooth and he's just chill on the mats and he, he's always watching new videos. He's like, oh, I'm working on this new technique. Yesterday he's like, honey hole. I'm working on the honey hole. And he like, what's the honey hole? <laughs> uh, you, know, you know, somebody at the EBI, the Eddie Bravo Invitational, oh, okay. hitting people. So I'm so tuned out of that, a lot of that competition stuff. But yeah, and he's like nailing people with it. His first day, he's like, I saw it on a video and he's catching everybody with it. Give me some advice. Give me one last piece of advice that I can take back to the mats today, and and. Show Brian his boss. You got flow, Jason, man. Flow, Jason. Like honestly, like flow yourself, man. Like be yourself on the mats. Like, dude, you're a cool dude, man. And you have, you know, I can tell that you. Uh, I've seen some of your stuff, and you're super flexible. So use your attributes. Use what you know what what you're good at. If you're flexible, man, use your flexibility. Um, but be flexible in your approach too. So be open-minded and um, flow Jason, man. I know that's uh, not yeah. that's <laughs> what I needed. Thing, but that's the biggest lesson that I've taken from jujitsu was to flow Mike Bidwell. And when I started to do that, it opened doorways in my life that I never I didn't even think were there. Um, on and off the mats, pathways that I didn't think were there. You know, I, I, before I boxed in my jujitsu, there was always this outcome for me. You know, I gotta tap him out. I gotta beat him. You know what I mean? Versus like. Going to the match, slapping hands, slapping and bumping, and just letting it flow, baby, and just trying to trying to get into that flow more than trying to force some outcome. I love it. You just motivated me, man, Brian. I hope you're listening because I'm about to flow, Jason. Flow, and, Jason, baby. And it, <laughs> you're the one 
he's the one that's going to have to deal with it now. So I appreciate that's right, it. I appreciate but he, but it. he's going to he's going to love it, man, because the flow is a co-creation, and you both get something from that experience. I love it. He's you're right. You're right. But the first part of that experience is going to be me tapping him out. Just so and we dude, do. and that's going to feel so awesome. <laughs> so embrace that feeling and enjoy that because, uh, yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, I appreciate your time. I hope everybody, whether you're a jiu-jitsu practitioner or a crossfitter or just tuning in, can, can appreciate this. There were lessons that can be learned on and off the mats. Check out Mike BJJ After 40 on Instagram, on YouTube, anywhere else they can um, – Facebook <laughs> and, and Facebook and then what if somebody wanted to email you to learn from you or check out your your school with Ken how can they do that yeah BJJ after 40 at gmail.com awesome well thank you so much Mike it's been what's really cool I tell people about doing stuff like this is you, you, you find people that are inspiring you and like a mentor to you whether you realize it or not and then here we are having a conversation so it's been really cool getting to know you virtually and now in real life as well and thank you too and thank you for this opportunity to co-create with you because that was really powerful for me as well thank you and um, i also want to mention my sponsor Go origin origin puts out some dope bjj stuff they also put out a, a really cool line of exercise equipment too so check out origin maine and they make it all in the usa which is awesome go usa yeah i see i see some of that stuff you're rocking that apparel it's a really cool stuff so it's origin maine as in the state maine as in Maine, yes. Maine and, in the um, USA. And uh, check that out, and I'll put a link here. Do you have? A, is there a link specifically for you, or should they just check out the website? No, it's just just check out their site. They have lots of dope stuff. Cool. Well, thanks again, Mike, for being on. And thank you for having me, my friend.